Hello and welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's presented by Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers. Three new locations opened last year. They're all over the place. 15 locations. Might be more by now. Food truck, custom designed. It's all great. It's Freddy's Original Double Steak Burger. That's one thing you want to check out. Real game changer there. Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers. Okay, big podcast because we have Bobby Bear. And I had him on the air, but I figured let's go the extended version on the podcast here. Zach Streif. Now, oh, Bobby Bear, you're asking me? Former quarterback of the Saints, played in the USFL. He's on WWL in New Orleans. I love this guy. And Zach Streif, former Saints offensive lineman, who's now their play-by-play announcer. That's interesting. Andre Ware also. You've heard of him. So let's start it off here. Bobby Bear, and let's ask him. About this matchup, what does he think of what's going to go down on Monday night? Great way to start the NFL season for both these teams. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, but what a great um, you know start to the season. I, I wish they'd get to play more often, uh, considering the proximity. You know, I think we can have a good rivalry going, I-10 uh, rivalry. But, uh, you know, obviously, AFC, NFC, we can't have that. But you're looking at two playoff teams. So, uh, Mark, I don't know. I, I think it's going to be a shootout. And it's going to come down the fourth quarter. Uh, who's making plays? And I mean, I can see Deshaun Watson, or I should say, I can. I don't see how he cannot uh, have success against the Saints. Uh, you know, when I when I look at the Saints, they gave up a quarterback rating average of like a hundred point three. So any quarterback that was playing the Saints, uh, they end up burning that secondary. Now I think Drew Brees will be able to take advantage of uh, the Texans secondary. So uh, I'm looking at kind of a, a shootout considering, you know, when you look at what, where they were ranked, what Houston was 28 and the Saints were 29th as far as pass defense. Bobby Bear with us. Bobby, so much has been said about what happened in the NFC Championship game and, and what the effect might be from that and that the Saints will be mad, the fans are mad. Does that go away after kickoff or what do you think of that effect on this game and maybe the whole season for the Saints? Well, the fans are always be mad. Uh, I think the players, you got to get over it. Uh, they got over the Minneapolis miracle the year before. Like, how did they lose that game? And then when you have the nine call, no, as players, you got to compartmentalize and you move on. Now, the fans don't have to get over it. That's why, uh, you know, we're fans. And uh, I look at they, it's going to be somewhat motivating, but uh, that will have nothing to do whether they beat the Texans and you look right after that, they have to travel to Los Angeles to play the Rams again. They can stay on the West Coast and have the Seahawks. And, and they have the fourth game is Dallas at home in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So that's a big challenge. I'm trying to tell the fans, I think the Saints could still be off to a great start. And, and when, uh, I think Las Vegas got it right, 11 games, and, and could start off 2-2 two and two and still be in good shape considering their strength of schedule. Bobby Drew Brees has been playing forever. In fact, he's the first quarterback to ever beat the Texans as a Charger week two of 2002. Now, what is the secret to success? Why has he lasted so long and played so well for so long? As a man who played the position, your thoughts on that subject? Well, uh, I think he always uh, has had a chip on his shoulder, I mean, in a positive way. Look, he's from Austin, Texas. University of Texas doesn't even recruit him. He ends up going to Purdue, and so always kind of that little man syndrome, and he's a great athlete. He could play any sport, and so I think he's hungry. Uh, I think very similar to Tom Brady, uh, just his work ethic, uh, how he treats his body. Uh, and, and I can even see him, see him playing you know, beyond this year as long as he's healthy. 
Now, if he's all beat up at the end of the year, that could be different. Uh, even if he won a Super Bowl, I, I, I'm telling you, I think Drew Brees is that competitive. If he's, if he's healthy, I think he wants to continue to play because he loves it. And there's not too many guys around that on Drew Brees' level. That, and you know the old cliche when you hear, he's definitely the first one in the building and the last one to leave. And he's just an unbelievable leader that you can't coach. That just comes from within. And the Saints are fortunate uh, because he's been the difference. You think about 13 seasons, you have success anywhere close to double-digit seasons. 13 seasons, and I would say uh, 10 or 11 of those, they've been in the top five offense. Like last year, they were eighth offense, but less than Drew's more. They want to be able to run the ball more and do play action. Uh, but, you know, I tell fans, don't worry about the future, <laughs> about who's the next quarterback for the Saints. Uh, just live in the moment and embrace Drew Brees' greatness. Bobby Bear with us. Bobby, last two years, deep playoff runs. Before that, things were slowing down a bit, it appeared. What's the relationship like between the fans and the team and the feeling about the whole Sean Payton administration? I know last two years, again, deep playoff runs, but how has that been over the years? Oh, uh, they couldn't be any better. Uh, right now, where they're at, uh, the Houdat Nation, they really right now ready to build a statue of Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Now they got to win that second Super Bowl, and uh, that's the ones I feel bad for last year because that nine call, that one play, you're going to be in the Super Bowl. And and uh, one thing I told the fans ago, all I know is the Saints would have scored more than three points against the Patriots. Uh, and I don't know if we'd have beat the Patriots, but maybe a twenty-something, twenty-something type game. Uh, but definitely uh, would have given Tom Brady and Belichick a run for their money. Uh, but, yeah, they just got to win that second Super Bowl, and, you know, for their legacy. Because two Super Bowl wins is a lot for a quarterback or uh, especially a head coach like Sean Payton. Because I think, uh, you know, Bill Walsh, when you look back through the years, I think he is uh, – he's in the conversation. If he's not the greatest, he's in the conversation. I'm not even talking about a head coach, just as a play caller. And all what he has on his plate to be the head coach and, and also really the offensive coordinator. Bobby Abair with us. Bobby, being in the local media, being on WWL like you are, has that changed at all over the years? Having played in the NFL, having been in locker rooms, how you have to criticize athletes now, how has that gone for you? How has that evolved over the years? Well, it's evolved uh, where now most of the fans don't even know me as a player. <laughs> you know, I, I just mm-hmm. turned 59. They know me as, uh, you know, I've been doing this now uh God, when I looked 14 years, I did it seven years in Atlanta and I came back home doing it now 14 years here in New Orleans. So a lot of the, you know, the younger generation, the millennial, they just look at or view me as being on the radio. Oh, yeah, he used to play quarterback with the Saints. They don't remember uh, any of that. But I think it's a lot easier uh, to be totally brutally honest simply because, I mean, a lot of these players, you could be their dad. And, 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 and so the, they don't really – look at me as a peer. They look at me as a peer as far as a former player, but not someone like, man, I, I can't believe you threw me under the bus kind of thing. Uh, no, they, they kind of respect it. The one thing Coach Payton uh, respects it also, uh, that I'm going to tell it like it is when the Saints are good. They're good when they're not, and I'm going to call them out. And it's just been real fortunate last uh, two years that the Saints are amongst the best. I'm not just blowing smoke. Uh, they are amongst the best in the whole NFL and have a chance to win. I don't, will they go to the Super Bowl? I don't know, but 
I'd be shocked if they only win nine games. To me, it's hard to win double digits. Uh, you know, Las Vegas has the over and under the 11. I say that's about right. And to me, even if you get to 10 wins, because uh, the ball has to bounce your way, that's, that's hard to do in the National Football League. And if you have a double-digit win, you should be a playoff team, and anything can happen from there. Bobby Bear joining us. Bobby, Carl Smith is the quarterback's coach for the Texans. He was the special teams coach for the Philadelphia Stars when you squared off against them in the USFL championship the first year. Uh, what are your recollections of playing in that league? I, I, I talked to Carl about those days. I was a Boston Breakers fan. What was that experience like for you? Well, Mark, you know, I played against Coach Barr and Carl Smith in two championships. We beat him in 83 when I was at the Michigan Panthers, and in 85 we had merged with the Oakland Invaders, and then they were the Baltimore Stars, and they beat us in that uh, championship. And then, lo and behold, uh, you need to ask uh, Tater about this. He was my offensive coordinator, quarterback coach of the Saints. Right. And, and to me, that made all the difference in the world uh, as far as getting rid of the football. I was either 91 or 92. I think it was 92. Uh, I was the least sacked quarterback in the NFL, you know, and everyone talks about, oh, Dan Marino, you know, he gets rid of the ball, he didn't get sacked. The year I got sacked 15 times, Dan Marino was sacked like 24, and Carl Smith had a lot to do with that. Just that's where I think he's going to help Deshaun Watson. Uh, and, and I'm not taking um, a stab at uh, Deshaun Watson, but being sacked 62 times, he's too good of an athlete for that to happen. Uh, put it this way, the way Drew Brees gets rid of the ball, pre-snap read, all that stuff, you put Drew Brees under the same offensive line as the Texans last year, he gets sacked half as many. So if he got sacked, if uh, Deshaun Watson got sacked 62 times, I think Drew would have got sacked like 31. I mean, I think Drew's that good, and he's done that over 13 uh, seasons. Either Drew's the least sacked quarterback or he's uh, uh, one or two. He's in the top two every year. And, uh, by the way, he ended up breaking my record uh, for Lee Sachs. And I said, man, I, I, I had this record. I thought I was not going to be uh, broken. And Drew ended up, uh, I forgot the year, but he got sacked, I want to say, like 12 times mm. in 16 games, which is unbelievable. And that's the strength of uh, the Saints is their offensive line. And now, obviously, the Texans getting Larry Tunzel. I think you're looking at two of the best left tackles in the National Football League, could start for every team, basically. You go Laramie Tunsil now for the Texans and Teron Armstead with the Saints. Uh, those left tackles are dominant. And I even look at Ryan Ramchick, the right tackle for the Saints, who's going to go against J.J. Watt. I think the Saints have the best duo tackles in the league. Bobby, one more for you. You mentioned the Texans and the Saints. It's too bad we don't play each other more often. Would you sign off on 17 or 18 games and having a designated NFC rival for an AFC team, vice versa. Would you sign off on something like that? What do you think? Yeah, I just think it'd be great for the fans. Uh, whenever you have the proximity and uh, more meaningful games, I, to me, they can, because they train year-round. You have OTAs, minicamp. Uh, you don't need four preseason games. Uh, you can play two, and they pretty much know who's going to make the team or not. Because you train year-round, you're in shape. You used to have training camp. Because uh, players are out of shape to get in shape. Now they come to training camp in shape. I think more meaningful games that count, whether you expand into playoffs or whatever direction, I think that'll be part of the new collective bargaining agreement. Whatever direction they, they go in, that'd be in the NFL and the players, that they have to understand people want more meaningful football. And I know the networks would be all for that because that means more money. 
Bobby, great to have you with us. I really do appreciate the time, and we look forward to seeing you on Monday night. All right, Mark. Take care, man. There's Bobby Bear, former Saints quarterback, former USFL quarterback, and currently on WWL in New Orleans. Now, Zach Streep is the voice of the New Orleans Saints, and he also played offensive line for them, so it's kind of interesting to have a former athlete take over as play-by-play announcer. He replaced the great Jim Henderson, and I asked Zach what that was like. Uh, it's a pretty incredible opportunity for sure. I, I've had an absolute blast with it. It certainly helps when the team is successful like they were last year, but um, as you know, it, it really is a very special job um, getting to be a part of the organization uh, after my career ended. I got to spend 12 years playing for the Saints. To get to turn around now and, and uh, be a part of the organization still has been wonderful, and I know Deuce and I are, are really looking forward to another great season here in New Orleans. Zach, how did it come about? How were you able to get into the booth like that after a great playing career, now voice of the Saints? It's kind of, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's probably all, all accidental, really. It wasn't something that I had long kind of uh, wanted to do. I had taken some meetings with local media. Uh, some, some folks had reached out and asked if I was interested. And, I, and to be honest with you, I wasn't super interested in doing uh, local media. I'd spent my whole career kind of being criticized at times and, I didn't want to do that to anybody else, and but but I took a I took an interview at WWL, which is the flagship station for the Saints here in New Orleans, and, and we sat down and talked. And you know, at the end of the meeting, it was basically you know this this industry a lot of times is what's available, and you know there's not a ton available right now. As a matter of fact, the only role that we're really having to fill is Jim's, and and that that being Jim Henderson, who was the voice of the Saints for 32 seasons. And I said, yeah, I know. And then and they said, you know, that's not really a player job. You know, that's not a that's not a role that players usually take on. And I said, I understood that. And I walked out of the office. And by the time I got to my car, I had pretty much convinced myself that that was kind of the dream opportunity that I never expected would pop up. And I, I walked back upstairs and said, I'd really like um, for if you guys were, were would be willing to give me an opportunity to at least train um, to try and 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 you know do do a game. And, and see if you guys think I have potential to do it. It's, it's a job that I, I think I could, I could do and, and do well. And I was fortunate that they got over their initial laugh, which is my first response I got was a giggle, um, that, you know, that, that job is not something you walk into, and it certainly isn't. Um, but they gave me the opportunity, and, and the, kind of the rest is history right now. And, uh, again, it's, it's, just, it's such an incredible job and, and so much fun, and, and there's so much energy. And just to be a part of it all is still really has been wonderful for me. Outstanding. What has been the biggest challenge in being a play-by-play announcer for you getting into this business, getting into the booth in the NFL? You know, I think a lot of it is, is there's, you know, there's, there's kind of the, this, some of the minutia in the, in the broadcast. And it's funny because I think for most of you guys, that's the stuff that is second nature, but it was, those were the things I had never done. Uh, I had, I had apprehension about going to commercial breaks and coming out of breaks and you know, when you listen to a broadcast, even it's not the thing that you really remember. And so, I was relying so much on on other people and kind of their style and what they were doing. And yet, those were the, the those were the parts. You know, coming in and out of breaks and and doing those things that I was really anxious about. But ultimately, it's all the broadcasting part of it. It's 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 you know, doing an interview correctly and 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 kind of telling a story and controlling your voice and all of those things that go into it. The football side of it has been my crutch. And I think that's probably where I differ from a lot of guys that are in this role is, you know, I have not only an intimate knowledge of of professional football, but of the Saints specifically. And so I've really kind of leaned back on that knowledge 
to save me when, you know, the broadcasting side of me is, is, is not quite ready there um, to do something smooth or well. And I think all of that stuff will come with time. I think it's a terrific story. Zach Streif joining us here on Texans Radio, voice of the New Orleans Saints. All right, so take me to the O-line here for a moment because the Texans have a lot of transition going on with rookie guards slash tackles. When you look at Titus Howard and Max Sharping, they bring in Laramie Tunsil, and they're trying to put it together. Whatever they put out there, they're trying to put it together quickly. So what about the challenges involved there? From where you sit with your playing experience and now being a member of the media, what do you think of the Texans O-line situation? Well, obviously, I think that's been your guys' discussion the entire offseason. Obviously, letting your quarterback get sacked 62 times in a year is not a good situation to be in, especially when you have a guy like Deshaun Watson that you see as your future and your franchise guy. And, um, you know, I, I think to, to the Texans' credit, they've really went out and, and spent the resources that they felt they needed to to try to shore that up. And you talk about Laramie Tunsil, I think one of the most promising young left tackles in football. Uh, you know, Titus Howard's a guy that – quite honestly surprises me a little bit to see him in the starting lineup, but that's a good sign coming from a small school. And um, this will be a big jump for him. And it'd be interesting. I know if it was me having my first NFL start being the first game in the Superdome, that's a, that's a tall task and something that he'll have to learn to deal with. But I think ultimately what you've seen is the Texans do a good job of reshaping that offensive line. And, you know, if there's any downside to it, it's, it's going to take a little bit of time for them to all kind of gel um, and to get comfortable in those, you know, in their new roles and, and the communication and the nonverbal communication that happens at the offensive line position, it, that, that'll be their challenge. Zach, Drew Brees, you've been in the huddle with him. You've protected him. You've blocked for him. And now you're observing him as a play-by-play announcer. So give me something on Brees. How has he lasted so long and played so well for so long? Well, there's a couple things, I think. One, and we talk about it all the time, the level of consistency that he not just plays with but lives his life with is really it's, it's earth-shattering to me. I, I can't fathom the level of consistency that he lives his life with. He's extremely regimented, extremely scheduled, all of the stuff. He takes good care of himself, and I think people are all aware that you don't play into your 40s if you don't. But he's so consistent, and his preparation is, is almost maniacal, the amount of time he spends, the ability that he has to break teams down. And I think the last thing and, and the thing that will always serve him well is Drew Brees has never been a quarterback that relied on physical skill. He's never had a big arm. He's never been, uh, you know, six, five. He's never been the big guy. He's always kind of been someone that found ways to be successful around some of those limitations. And, and to that point, he's just going to continue to do what he's always done. And that is rely on his accuracy, rely on his anticipation um, and, and those things have served him very well, and they don't really have anything to do with your body getting older. So I think he's still got a, a, an arm good enough to make the throws that he needs to make. And, and when some of those throws start coming up that are a little bit harder, when the 35-yard out is no longer an option for Drew Brees, he'll just throw it a little bit early because that's the kind of guy he is, and, and he's good at adapting. Zach Streif joining us, voice of the New Orleans Saints. So, Zach, Last year, we all know what happened in the NFC Championship game. We remember the playoffs from the year before. The Saints are an outstanding football team, but we know every year is different. How are the Saints going to be different in 2019? Well, I think if you look at the kind of the makeup of this team, you know, when you when you start looking down starters, there's been very little turnover on this roster. Um, and the turnover that has happened, for the most part, has been 
uh, to our benefit. You look at the loss of Mark Ingram, um, and, and they went out and signed Latavius Murray to replace him. They've been really happy with Latavius, and the big signing for the Saints this year was Jared Cook. But I think the story of this team is the depth that they've been able to amass, and that's something you're able to do when you have as many guys coming back as the Saints did. Um, they are a really deep football team, really on both sides of the ball, um, and, and I think that's going to serve them very well. When you look at an NFL season and all of the difficulties, any fan base can can tell you or remember the time when, man, we lost you know three offensive linemen and we were down three receivers, and the bottom line is those guys behind them have to then go in and play at a high level and win football games, and I think the Saints are as set in that area as they've maybe ever been in Sean Payton's era. They're extremely deep, and I think they have a lot of confidence in the guys that are in the back end of their roster, and that will serve them well as the season goes on. How much does Alvin Kamara mean to the attack? What does he bring? We see it on video, but in your opinion, what is the net positive here? I think he's just a total nightmare for defensive coordinators. The Saints use him in so many different ways, and he's so versatile. He catches the ball like a wide receiver out of the backfield. Um, he can run between the tackles, which is something that he probably doesn't get near as much credit for as he should. He's got tremendous patience and vision. He's had incredible balance. He's so hard to bring down in the open field. He's got tremendous lower body strength. He just kind of does everything really well. And I, I don't know that there's any one thing that is necessarily elite, but there's no weaknesses in his game. And, and I think that makes him very difficult for defenses in, in a Sean Payton offense because Sean is going to put him in a lot of very advantageous situations. He's going to get good, positive uh, matchups for him. And, you know, you, you will inevitably watch in this game Alvin Kamara get matched up one-on-one -on -one with your middle linebacker and people going, well, why is he covering him? And it's because Sean Payton is a genius at that. And uh, I think the combination of them two is just very difficult for defenses to deal with because the guy is just good at everything that he does. Zach, one more for you. From the outside looking in to New Orleans, people think that the Superdome, the fan base, the team, it's like one volcano ready to erupt on Monday night. Your thoughts on what they've carried with them throughout the offseason after what happened in the NFC Championship game and the fact that this is the first time the Saints take the field in a meaningful game since then. Yeah, you, you know, you're right. It is probably like a volcano waiting to, to erupt. And, you know, we went through our little phase here. We, we had to deal with our uh, emotions a little bit, and we let our pettiness out, which was good. It was part of our healing process. Um, but I think this city is and, and always has been just excited for the start of an NFL season. I think they're so revved up for this game. And, and quite honestly, they're always excited and revved up for Monday night football. And so the opportunity to play on Monday night, uh, you know, in prime time against, against what is a great opponent in the Houston Texans. And I think that the fans acknowledge that this is a very big game for the saints. They have a very rough stretch to open up. It's a must win. I think people feel like that here. And I assume that the crowd will uh, respond accordingly like they always do here. Well, Zach, thanks so much for the time. We look forward to seeing you on Monday night. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Zach Street, former Saints offensive lineman and current play-by-play -play announcer for the New Orleans NFL franchise. Now, my buddy Andre Ware, I caught up with him earlier this week, and I asked him about some of the new guys, including but not limited to Laramie Tunsil. Yeah, uh, he's a good young talent that uh, is kind of going to be thrown into the fire how much of the system uh, he can retain will be what they use against the Saints because – you're talking about some pretty uh, pretty good pass rushers at Marcus Davenport, 
and Cameron Jordan. They can move those guys around. Trey Hendrickson and Wes Horton will back those guys up. But uh, it'll be it'll be you know it's kind of a test under fire for Laramie Tunsil. He's all rookie team in uh, in 2016 when he was drafted. A lot of people around the league think think highly of him. Uh, he slid in, slipped in the draft for obvious reasons, but uh, the 13th overall pick, I think he fits into the system. It's just how fast uh, he can retain what's being the terminology, the offense as a whole, so that he can be effective. Because, it's you know, I look at it like this. When you're learning an offense, especially for offensive linemen who have to work and there has to be chemistry there, quarterbacks, it's like, you know, taking a foreign language or starting over as a rookie because you just can't play uh, to your normal capability if you're thinking all the time. So he's got to get up to speed and get up to speed quickly. All right, same question for Kenny Stills coming in at wide receiver. Yeah, pretty much the same thing. Is that, you know, a lot of the, the uh, concepts may be similar, but uh, the terminology may be different. Uh, you may be asked to run a different route on a certain play that you thought was something in Miami, and uh, that takes chemistry. It's why... Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller and, you know, all these other Kiki QT, they work in the offseason to build chemistry. And you're asking a guy to come in and basically in a week's time pick up the terminology and get on the same page with all these other receivers. That's a tough, tough chore. But ultimately, what do you think those two guys bring to the table once they do get acclimated? Well, you bring pass protection certainly with Tunsil on the left side. And then with Kenny Stills, it's a, it's a receiver that uh, – they can do some things, you know, down the field. He's, he's big, he's strong at 6'1", 202. He's got some speed. And, and so uh, he, I think it's a good addition as maybe the third receiver uh, with QT still nursing an ankle. Uh, maybe it's Kenny Stills that, uh, that starts Monday night as that third receiver. All right, well, let's see what happens in the backfield as well because we have yet to see Duke Johnson play, but he's been practicing, so that's good. And then you work Carlos Hyde into the lineup. We'll see how they handle everything. And I think that's kind of an advantage for them in, a sen- in the sense that the Saints really don't know how the Texans are going to try to handle the running game or throw to the backs. Your thoughts on that part of the operation? Yeah, I like the addition of Carlos Hyde because he brings some physicality. That, that's just how he runs. He runs hard. Uh, he's just a tough, tough inside runner who's got some speed to get to the edges so they did a nice job in acquiring him and then duke johnson's kind of uh more of a i don't i'm, I'm not sure he's an every down back uh a three down back i, I would say carlos hyde is that uh, where you can leave him in on third downs and can catch some passes for you duke johnson is certainly going to help him in the in the uh in the passing game because he's an outstanding receiver out of the backfield so uh it's a good one-two punch that uh, they'll have for a while Dre, stopping the Saints, obviously difficult to do. They did it once here. They held them to six points in 2015. I know the team's very different now. Alvin Kamara is a nightmare for a lot of teams. What do you think of being in the Dome and trying to slow them down at least and get out on top? Yeah, he's a guy that scares everybody, and certainly me and, and Kamara, because he does so many things, and he's so explosive. And you, know, you watch all these YouTube videos, and he's pulling trucks with a harness, and and that's part of his training regimen to get stronger. He's 5'10", about 215, is lightning quick, excellent receiver out of the backfield. And you mix him with a big receiver, a big physical receiver, Michael Thomas, along with a speedster who's still one of the faster players in the league with Ted Ginn. I think the best addition they made to this offense was Jared Cook, a receiving tight end that's big, 
that can make plays down the field. I've liked him ever since his days at South Carolina, and then we know exactly what Drew Brees is, and, and uh, he's not the all-time passing leader for uh, uh, for for no reason. The guy can just flat-out play. Last year he was uh, he's in his latter years, and you're going on the year 19, but I think he set a career mark at 74% completion percentage. So uh, he's still playing at a very high level. This is a very, very dangerous offensive unit. How much does it blow your mind about Breeze? Because I remember you and I standing on the field in New Orleans in 2008 after the Texans practiced there in the preseason, and we interviewed Breeze. And he's not the biggest guy in the world, let's face it, but he plays big, and he also is incredibly accurate, as you just pointed out. What about the longevity of Breeze? Yeah, I mean, 57% for his career, and a lot of guys would take that in a season. And, you know, that would be a career best for a lot of guys in a season. Over, I think he's thrown 520 touchdown passes. And he's not a big guy. You wonder how does he get it done? How can he see, uh, you know, over, uh, over the defense, over the offensive line? But he finds throwing lanes. He anticipates uh, very, very well. And that's what makes it tough on a defense is his ability to anticipate, and that's a guy that we just spoke of, of the uh, of Watson going out with Hop and and uh, and Will Fuller and building chemistry. Well, he's one of the best in the business, Drew Brees, at doing just that, which is why it allows him to anticipate throws based on body language and guys where they're where they're supposed to be. The ball is delivered and it's out on time. It's tough, tough to sack Drew Brees. Andre, let's talk about the AFC South for a moment. Andrew Luck is out in Indianapolis. Now Jacoby Brissett takes over. We know it's a much better team than the one he had in 2017 a couple of years ago when Luck sat out the season. But what do you expect out of Brissett and that Colts offense this year, and the Colts as a team overall in the AFC South? Yeah, I expect them to kind of really just bring him along slowly early in the season and just say, you know, hey, don't try to do too much. We know you know the offense, but look, we're going to just take advantage of the playmakers that we've placed around you and utilize them. And as the season grows uh, and as he gains more confidence, they will open. Frank Reich has been fantastic at handling this whole thing. They will start to give him more and more each and every week. Frank Reich, I think, came out this week and said that, hey, he is our leader. He's the guy that we believe in. I think you just have to – Sometimes as a head coach, just go out on a limb and put that in a player's head that we believe in you, you're our leader now, we have moved and turned the page and moved forward. And that's what they. That's how they believe and view Jacoby Brissett. Texans have never beaten him. He's 4-0 and starts against them, so uh, it won't be easy. But the Colts have really upgraded their roster on both sides of the football around Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback. All right, so they play the Chargers week one. What do you think of that? I know San Diego's banged up when you look at some of the yeah. guys who have to sit that one out, but they are at home, whatever that means in that building, and they do have Phillip Rivers. Yeah, I, but I still like I like the Colts in that game because of all of what you just mentioned in terms of being banged up. A lot of guys out of the lineup. They don't have uh, the workhorse back in Melvin Gordon, uh, certainly this week, and who knows for how long. Uh, they're a different team. They lost their left tackle. Uh, he's not playing with blood clots, uh, Russell Okun. So it, it, I think it's tough. I think the Colts are in a better situation health-wise. Even without Andrew Luck, I think they get this one done. Okay, so take me to Jacksonville, where they entertain, for lack of a better word, the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. What do you think? 
Yeah, that that's, uh, that is tough for anybody, uh, including Jacksonville, whether it's home, away, in London, Mexico, wherever. The, the Chiefs are just uh, – they're just going to score a lot of points. And uh, Jacksonville's got a superb defense, but I don't think it's built to uh, to stop a team like the Chiefs. It is uh, more of a, a physical style of defense that is that can uh, kind of punch you in the mouth. They don't like playing in space, which is exactly what – Andy Reid is going to do with Pat Mahomes. He'll spread it out and, and take advantage of the speed that he's uh, had and added to uh, this offseason. So, it's for me, it's Kansas City big in this first one. All right, so Jacksonville comes to NRG Stadium one week from Sunday for the home opener for the Texans' Liberty White kickoff. Now, the Titans are taking on the Cleveland Browns, the high-profile Cleveland Browns to over the season. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I think this may be one of the better uh, – better matchups of uh of the of opening week in in terms of uh two talented teams i think cleveland has yet to uh to really prove it to me uh, i remember a few years ago uh i think it was the redskins that put a roster together with all this talent they went out and acquired and, and then they laid an egg and just because you you have an enormous amount of talent yeah it's good uh but you have to build chemistry because you have a lot of individuals that have had a lot of success otherwise and uh, just not a lot of balls to go around. So um, when you look at it, I, I, I just I don't see Cleveland. They, they've got to prove it to me, and this will be a week that they can start down that road. All right, Andre, what do you have on the college circuit? Going to Mississippi State with a good matchup against Southern Miss. It's two teams that are uh, very equal. They're 14-14-1 and one in 29 games. Both teams scored 38 points a week ago. So uh, it's one of those in-state rival games that I know Southern Miss will be up for uh, traveling to Starkville. Some pretty good players uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, I really, really look forward to this one this weekend. All right, be safe, my friend. We'll see you in New Orleans and get ready for the opener on Monday night. Appreciate it, man. We'll see you there. Well, there's Andre Ware, and he'll be in the booth with me Monday night as the Texans begin their 18th season of play. So tune in. It's going to be a 6 o'clock kick around 6.10, but tune in early because you don't want to miss a thing. It's going to be fun. I want to thank everyone who listened to the podcast today. Thanks to Zach Streep and Bobby Bear for being on as well. Have a great day, and go Texans.